everyone, and welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman. You can call me H. And I'm Ryan Quintel. You can call me Q. We're recording in the new year. I know that uh, our, all of our listeners are uh, kind of ankle deep in 2020 already, but this is the first podcast we've recorded in this new year. Um, by the time you're hearing this, I'll be 30 years old, so entering another decade myself. Uh, you know, a lot of changes going around in the uh, in the the playwright world of, of just general kind of like time moving forward. As a man who is in decade three, let me be the first to invite you uh, or welcome you into it. <laughs> um, and there are no windows and no doors, which <laughs> offers you this chilling challenge to find a way out. Wait a minute, Huel? Is that Huel? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think my 30s have been some of the most rewarding uh, years of my life, not only because I've spent uh, the majority of my 30s now, which is a funny thing to say, even though I'm 33, uh, the majority of my 30s podcasting with you, actually. But, That's right, making the <laughs> internet's number one podcast, right. um, which puts you know a lot of demands on me, that sort of thing. But um, <laughs> yeah, I I think the thirties have been great. And one of the things is, as I get older, and I don't know if my patients get less or what. I was always worried about. I was told the story when I was a kid about aging away from video games, and I think a lot of hmm. people who are maybe in their late twenties, early thirties, they may you know maybe even younger. You get told by your parents, by, uh, quote, grownups when you're young that, ah, oh, you're not going to play video games your whole life, surely. Because it's like, because look at grandpa, he's not playing video <laughs> games anymore. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> right. Different situations here. <laughs> exactly. His video games were bad. His video games were pushing a hoop with a stick. <laughs> right. And so I'm like, I'm hugely grateful that we're kind of living in a time and space where most of us are going to be parents uh, at some point. And when we are, we're going to be able to grow up in a culture of like, not only telling kids that, hey, video games are something that you can do your whole life and be enjoyable uh, your whole life, but it's a wonderful, you know, thing to think about as a career. And, uh, and it's a technical skill mm. to have and not just like esports playing, but like there, there's huge possibilities there. So yeah, absolutely. Welcome to old man gamerhood. Now you're, you'll soon be like me asking for them to just please increase font sizes on some of these things. <laughs> That's one of the things about, I don't, I don't intend to have children myself, but I, I get do I do get kind of envious of people who get to kind of introduce a new generation to video gaming and kind of see the things that they're into and, you know, teach the the younger generation how to, hold a controller and how to interface with these games. Then all of a sudden they're teaching you how to Fortnite dance and stuff like that. I'm like, that seems like fun, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh my uh, God. Is that how you floss? <laughs> but you know, I, I just, um, I, I don't think you ever get, you know, too old for video games. You know, I always, uh, you know, we're on the Kane and Rince network, of course, as quite a few people who are, uh, significantly older than either of us. Um, I would just look at Leon, uh, he's in his, uh, what late forties or, uh, or so. Mm-hmm. And, um, just think to myself, well, at least I'm not that bad. So. <laughs> Which you would love to hear. You should really pass. <laughs> I'm not that far gone. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I think actually that'll be a fascinating thing as our people who are our age, age up into video games. I think that's how, like, we will be the people that put the demands on 
the major companies like the Activisions and EA of like, are you going to make this industry for everyone? Are you going to make games for older people? Right. Where you at least there's accessibility options to make it so that you don't have to be quite as dexterous and you don't have to uh, smash the square button to open up a chest. Instead, you can do things like uh, just hold down the button or something like that. That that is why accessibility, when you hear people talk about it, is so important in games, because it's not just the person that might have a disability, but it's someone who's older. It's someone who isn't as dexterous with the controller, a new gamer, an old gamer, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. And I guess with that in mind, Ah. we can uh, pitch our own video games and see how they (laughs) rank on this uh, scale of accessibility. Uh, I'm worried about mine now that you (laughs) say that. (laughs) All right. Well, speaking of old games played by old gamers, Mm. um, I was recently listening to uh, the Ken and Reds podcast. I I just caught up with their episode on the... Uh, Galaxian series, which is uh, really a really great Cane and Rinse issue. It's um, definitely worth kind of catching up on. I always knew that Galaxian and Galaga existed, but I had never really spent enough time to, you know, there's there's a number of those kind of like early, early, early space shooters that I just like can't keep straight in my mind. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I just haven't really spent enough time getting into some of those like early 80s games to really kind of like solidify my perception of any of them and that's uh that's my own failing of course but um i I found that episode to be very uh very enlightening and uh, give me a really strong kind of secondhand appreciation for galaxian series Uh, but anyways this this game that i'm going to pitch today is inspired by galaga um, I should say an aspect of that game is that it is a, I should say, to contextualize Galaga, is a vertical shooter in a way, kind of like uh, Space Invaders, where you are uh, kind of along the bottom portion of the screen and enemies come at you from the top, they'll swoop down and take shots at you, and there's a particular enemy, a uh, boss Galaga, that can, that can abduct your ship and uh, take it away. And if you manage to defeat the boss Galaga after it has taken your ship away by using just the next ship in the lineup, then uh, your ship rejoins you and basically um, now you have two ships that you're controlling at once. They're kind of sat right next to each other. Your hitbox is twice as big, but at the same time you're firing two shots instead of just one. So for the real high score chasers, then actually the best thing that you can do is to have your ship abducted by an enemy, which is um, the opposite of what you might expect, but it leads to a whole other level of um, strategic possibilities. So, inspired by that, I want to produce a fencing game in which you control kind of like a comically floppy swordsman, I would say, you know, the style of game. Um, left stick is movement and right stick is swinging the sword. Each hit on the opponent gives you a point in uh, standard fencing rules, but it also slices the opponent into two, and now there's twice as many enemies, or there's uh, you know two where there would have been one before, and then three where there would have been two before. And so as you keep scoring points and slicing your enemy, they become more and more and more 
with more swords, which is uh, more difficult for them to control any single one of them on the other side, but at the same time, you know, there's a certain amount of uh, strength in numbers, and so it's a game of continually multiplying swordsmen. So, I'm going to go ahead and start the clock there. Talk to me about the, the method of multiplication. It's every, every time you get hit, you multiply, or every time you hit somebody, right. you multiply? Right, so every time we get hit, uh, the sword slices through our silly little clay body. Uh, okay. And um, just like a starfish, it just regrows an entire new body on the other side. So, there are now two swordsmen where there were one before. One of the things I think could be fun here is if this is controlled with a controller it would you could make it fun with a keyboard too but like i wonder if there's room for absurdist control schemes where you start off very cohesive you have like a a fight night like mm. level of control over one character mm, so there's yeah. like fine-grained control and articulation with like two joysticks and maybe two triggers and then as you split it becomes like one joystick and one trigger per. And then as you split again and again, you you then start to enter in scenarios where like basically every character is just a joystick or just a single trigger. And so like the motions become more silly and a little bit more in line with like a cricket throughout the ages or something. Yeah. Um. Actually, one of the touch points that I had in mind when uh, thinking about this was Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Whoa. Um, I, I really like the um, kind of free slicing uh, where it gives you um, the opportunity to kind of like aim the direction of your slice. And uh, I, I guess that's a, I can't think of a good way to, uh, to really describe that, but it lets you kind of visualize which direction in a 360 degree circle your slice is going to go. And so I was thinking like, it could be fun to, um, you know, maybe if a sword swing by the opponent was canceled out by a sword swing in the opposite direction, then uh, that would be a successful block. Um, but a sword swing that is interfered with a sword swing by yourself in a perpendicular direction um, could be like a parry. Uh, the um, point of intersection is much narrower in yeah. that case. Um, so this thing of, uh, you know, defensive options as well as offensive. So I'm trying to think now, like, is, is this a little bit more like Rock'em Sock'em robots where everybody is more or less stationary? Is this more like there is a small arena or something where you can kind of maneuver around? Yeah. I would think that there would be some level of movement. Uh, maybe consider it like Tekken or Soul Calibur level where, you can move in a three-dimensional space, but really the action is taking place between the two characters, and so you can have an entirely stationary battle. But at the same time, maybe there's some interesting things about the environment, like there will be high ground or weapons to obtain, uh, maybe something like arms, where there's, uh, you know, depending on where you are, there are some places that can pose as uh, advantageous spots in certain scenarios that uh, might be worth maneuvering towards. I love the idea of doing environmental hazards here too. Um, the sort mm. of battle botsy uh, saws on the ground or something. So if you get knocked into the right place or a side of the ring, like you can do that sort of claymation, like 
like tear in half. And <laughs> I, I even love the idea of that sort of Wallace and Gromit like style and aesthetic for this thing. Yeah, I think if this leans into the kind of claymation aspect, it's been a while since we've had a game really make use of a clay. Uh, there's a game recently, Claybook, that um, makes good use of a Play-Doh like, it's kind of like a Katamari type of game where you play a big ball of Play-Doh rolling around in a Play-Doh world and you can uh, your your task is kind of platforming to an extent, but as you touch anything, it essentially kind of rolls into your ball that you're rolling around. And so you have to be very careful about, you know, where you choose to go because you're always kind of making canyons behind you and you're potentially toppling over structures that you need to be on top of later. Um, but as far as, you know, clay being used in uh, rather destructive ways, we haven't really had anything fun like that since like clay fighter on the n64 right <laughs> um what else i'm trying to think about how i can plus this like what what twist can the destructible body have is like is there a way to die like uh, what does defeat look like here and i'm i'm thinking to myself like is there eventually a, is there a timer or something and if you are clay like water is filling this just people are melting i don't know mm to sort of create that tension because like, it feels like you could endlessly multiply. Maybe if you multiply and become enough thin slices of combatants, those can all be killed with like one hit. So the goal is to like, you want to multiply, but you don't want to, once you multiply to a certain number, say f even four or something like that, you don't actually want any of them split further. Right. Um, yeah. We think maybe you get, smaller every time although that seems like it would pose somewhat of an advantage maybe you become too small that you can't hit or damage your enemy anymore um i i mean i uh in the original proposal it was um every time you sliced through an opponent you would gain a point and so essentially the scoring would take place with this uh fencing like point system and then, of course, as you split into more and more pieces, you become easier to hit because there's just kind of more space that you cover. Okay, I'm down with that. So now we're into now we're into kind of a space where there's a little bit of risk, right? And it could be, you know, the game ends when uh, when one player has a certain number of points more than the other player, and it always kind of accelerates as you go because as there's more more enemies on the field you know you can't really uh you can't shake a stick without hitting something um and so that becomes faster and faster but potentially if both of you are getting lucky and striking at the same rate and uh continuing to kind of raise your score in equal proportion then um you know you could potentially get to the point where there's just hundreds of, of little characters on the screen at once. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and I like the idea that like put the stages or something in situations where uh, like there's a risk of collapse, like have the battle on a frozen lake and mm. enough creatures like eventually like, you know, outweigh the environment that they're in and, and cause a, you know, a meltdown or something. That's a good idea. And so having to kind of balance or even like a, uh, like a plate balancing on a central point. And as more and more uh, of these characters are added to the field, 
it becomes more and more difficult to balance this balancing uh, plate. And so you get some kind of like, I was really like in Gang Beasts, uh, all of these um, different ways that the environmental hazards uh, change from level to level as you uh, try to figure things out and uh, stay alive. <laughs> yeah. And then now you're in a situation where you can have like the players maybe vying for position as well. So they're, they want to, they're incentivized to kind of split, but if they split too far or too much, then they're in a more precarious situation. You know what I mean? Uh, let's go ahead and start uh, in uh, stop that one there and let's give it a name. I was thinking maybe something along the lines of split ends. <laughs> okay. Um, split friends. Uh, split friends is pretty good. Split friends. Are you making friends? Is there a word in like boxing that's like the a split match or something like that? Uh, I don't know enough about boxing to be able to answer that. Yeah. I'm just wondering if like there's, if split already makes its way into the sense of like fighting um, in a meaningful way. I mean, there's a split lip. Split lip. Is there like split edge? Split ends? <laughs> uh, split friends. Split friends, I think is the one. All right. Split friends. That can be that. And let's get into your pitch. What are you bringing us today? I can't believe you started off pitching uh, or talking about Galaga because that is kind of the beginning of my pitch. I am thinking, uh, oh no, groupthink is happening in 2020. Missile Command Tetris Battleship. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you have a Tetris-like grid, um, like Battleship, uh, you are calling out points on that grid and what's happening is you're sort of like a missile command base you live at the bottom of the map uh, with your ships and all the ships have different weapons and what works with these weapons or these lasers missiles whatever is when you choose a spot depending on the distance it takes a certain number of turns for your weapon to travel and hit that uh, spot on the grid now enemies are coming down from the top of the screen uh, Tetris style like falling Tetris blocks and you have to use your different uh, ships and arsenal that's at the bottom of the screen, choose your weapons and choose points on the grid so that you can defeat all of the falling ships before they reach your base but it's going to require you to know the timing of all of your weapons Mm, okay. All right. Let's uh, take that and start the clock. So um, can you see the enemy ships or is this like a battleship where you really have to guess where everything is? Um, so this is uh, in, in my mind, you can see where the ships are, but maybe maybe what you get is just like little exclamation points and you have to risk kind of launching a missile and seeing it exposes a piece of the vessel and then you have to realize, oh, it had just exposed the front of the vessel or it just exposed the side of the vessel. I know this is one of the more mechanical games that I think I've ever pitched. This is all kind of about the details and the feeling of how these things uh, travel and make their way down. So your 
weapons、um, take a little bit of time to travel to their destinations. Is this kind of like a sniper game where you're trying to lead your opponent, and part of the、uh, part of the challenge in that is not tracking your opponent and clicking directly on them, but to trail out a little bit in front of them so that by the time the bullet hits, they will be in this new location. I think that's it exactly. One of the things in there is that you want to create a sense of time management, right? Of like knowing, okay, I launched a ballistics missile at this thing, and that is going to take me.、Uh, it's going to take three turns to hit there, but I'm watching this thing progress every turn. It kind of creeps one step forward,、uh, so I have to first like. If we do the exclamation point thing, you have to first expose it, right? And then if you do something more like showing the ships, then yeah, it's more about selection and basically managing and knowing what time you'll have before you can fire a weapon again. And and you kind of want to orchestrate the feeling of like potentially several missiles all hitting a target at the same time, completely destroying the target, and that's. That's a good system of reward.、Um, but you also indicated that you don't necessarily know where exactly on the enemy ship you're going to be hitting. Right. So maybe we, maybe that's part that has to kind of be abandoned, or it has to move like so much slower. Right. So it's almost in my mind, if you did that, you'd have to pace it a lot more like a、uh, into the breach. I think to make it feel manageable. I do like that idea where you know maybe you see like the、um, kind of like a black hole. You can't actually see a black hole itself. You can just see the distortion of light around it. If、mm. you are targeting ships in the water, then you would see the distortion that they cause in the in the waves in the wake,、um, rather than the ships themselves. Maybe there's some sort of an indication that a ship is in a is in a、uh, in an area. And、yeah. you have an idea of where it is, but you don't know exactly what、um, what type of ship, what type of ship it is, what formation it's in,、uh, what direction it's going. And so, when you hit a ship, you try to take out the engines, you try to take out the weapons, and you might end up hitting a、uh, completely incorrect portion of the、uh, target. Yeah. So you kind of are like trying to monitor, and then you could set some courses like. In the air, and you'd be looking for sort of cloud deformation. You could do some in space with cloaking devices, and some underwater,、uh, where you're kind of like watching the surface of the ocean,、uh, waiting for things to develop. It it does sort of reward like the keen eye, right? And then you could start introducing obstacles that. Make it slightly more difficult to maybe spot some of those things,、mm-hmm. or you could do things where different sorts of vessels have different sorts of displacements and tells, and so you're encouraging people to become familiar with the the look and feel of a bunch of those things. Are there distractions that we can put into the water to try to disguise, draw attention away from our ships? I feel like an old fashioned game thing to do would be to like. There's also friendly ships. Like, <laughs> do you know、mm-hmm. what your friendly ships look like versus what the enemy ships look like? Yeah, just like those old、uh, light gun shooters, where you get penalized for shooting an innocent、uh, bystander. <laughs> yeah, usually an innocent, like scantily clad woman or generic white guy in a polo shirt or something. That like clearly was one of the developers. <laughs> I think if if people are in an active, you know, wartime situation, probably. 
startlingly popping up behind a box and and standing there screaming is not a good strategy for survival. <laughs> right. I'll make note of that. So the pace of this thing is I am going through, I am looking at these displacements. Maybe there's also once different vessels are within certain ranges, they can fire on you. And then that way you can maybe do like fewer vessels, but then the game becomes intercepting their weapons and you could do a nice like uh sort of mech ish super uh sci-fi ui where like your computer readout shows you this is this type of missile and it'll reach you in three turns or whatever so you're kind of managing both the incoming projectiles and also trying to destroy the ships i'm i'm starting to realize now that it could be fun to set this in space and just have circular based combat like have it be a circle grid and have you try and position yourself and flank enemies old starfleet command style was a an old pc game i used to love to play and in star trek the universe is very much um the combat in the universe is more naval it's way more about the positioning of your ship relative to the enemy ship and Mm. kind of getting your the side of your ship with the strongest shields and the the best weaponry um, to be facing the the correct weak side of the enemy ship. So maybe we give the player some motion here or, or you're a ship that's like marooned always and you have to like fight off a wave uh, coming in from all sides. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I, I always like in, uh, well, I don't always like it, but I think it's an interesting choice in games where we're used to uh, square rec, rectangular grid-based patterns, um, games that employ these kind of donut-shaped patterns with smaller concentric rings inside that you can kind of hop between. It uh, just makes things a little bit less predictable, even though you are essentially still on a grid. Yeah, and you know what? It it kind of harkens to another old-school game, right, in Tempest. Now you're getting the... Tempest is all about like managing the projectiles coming in on every side of a circle. That yeah. is an interesting way of thinking about this. And so the enemies are approaching on all sides and you have to triage and figure out which ships you can destroy in what order. You could even go like run based and give people a bunch of sort of latitude to pursue that stuff. I so say now in the original pitch, you also described this as being Tetris like. Is that just in um, so far as the different enemies and um, things uh, projectiles are s- slowly moving or are there any other tetrisy aspects that you wanted to work into this pitch somehow um the thing that mostly was i was hearkening to tetris is i felt like it was a good quick way for us to establish what the lay of the land would look like right so even if you imagined a think of a mega man like aesthetic a bunch of battleships falling slowly, that sort of thing, then you get into a situation where I think it was just a little bit easier to visualize the battlefield for me in that sort of way. But I think if we use something that's circular based, it doesn't necessarily lose the spirit of it. Let's go ahead and call that one there. Let's stop the clock and um, let's name this one. What do you think about something like we're surrounded? (laughs) (laughs) We're surrounded. That's a, I like that in the fact that uh, it also kind of harkens back to the older kind of 80s PC games would have names like that that you don't see 
in the games of today. Um, yeah, there's something about it that also fun. feels almost like a, a don't starve or something. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, uh, I approve. We're surrounded. We're surrounded. Let's move now to our community. This one comes from our, uh, our good friend, Robert Lee, who says, good day again, Ryan's. I imagine this is an idea that a lot of people have wondered about, but how might it be a game? A licensing nightmare that pits famous movie and TV show robots against each other in a battle arena. Data versus the Terminator, Wally versus Johnny Five, etc. Keep up the great work. All right, and starting the clock. Let's say that on a on a base level, this seems like a very easy idea to work with. So let's find ways to kind of spice it up and make it more challenging. Obviously, we could do a Smash Bros. clone using only robots. You know, we could do um, something that's in a more kind of BattleBots kind of way. But, you know, in what ways could we make this a uh, a more challenging proposition? <sighs> One of the things that struck me, I think we've pitched stuff like this before, but maybe there's a way we can twist it a little bit is anytime somebody, you know, brings up the idea here of <laughs> sort of uh, robots in, in a context, I always want to get into my tinker brain wants to get into robot parts. And I wonder mm -hmm. if like, there's a, you can't actually, speaking of the licensing nightmare, you can't actually play as any of these robots, but instead all the robots have parts that cost like different amounts of resources or something. And you have to build a robot that's a mix and match of parts of all of these different robots. So you're like, I want Johnny Five's weird extending neck or something. And I want the Terminator's, uh, I don't know, like exoskeleton material. And, and you have to sort of, build your own bot with uh, with the resources you have. What if this is like a battle royale type of game and as you attack other robots you can like sever parts of them and attach them to yourselves and so you start off as one of the famous robots and they all have different uh, strengths and weaknesses like maybe maybe Wally is super stealthy and resourceful maybe the terminator is right there in your face not very good at hiding but it has very strong firepower and as you kind of track down your opponents um, then you can steal pieces from them and gain some of their abilities so by the end of it you are kind of like a you know rosie the robot wally terminator uh, johnny five c3po blend all together i also like the idea of you know, fighting games and Mortal Kombat proves this more than ever, like can have really compelling story modes. And so you could also go on some kind of sort of story building mode where you can encounter these different robots and be in each of their universes. And maybe you play as your own robot. And instead, these are like your companions or something along the way. And it's more of a tag team situation. And that kind of maybe is almost like the me fighters in super smash depending on who your tag team partner is you get a certain fighting style and a certain set of like tag team abilities yeah this could be like a card based game like you would see in slay the spire or i guess more relevantly steam world quest 
uh, where you meet these different robots along the way and you can kind of pass cards between the two of you that represent different abilities or different parts that you might have. That's interesting. uh, And then play those in these battle scenes. One of the things I like about that is now you can have, well, did we turn it into a card battler? Because I'm, I'm, maybe I'm okay with that, by the way, uh, or even a part battler at that point. There's something to me that would be interesting about going through and having all of these robots that are facing off against each other. Like what is the, anytime you do a mashup like this, and I think this is what Super Smash Brothers really is, is wish fulfillment in many ways. So what are we wishing for when we think of the potential of putting all these robots together? And is it that, you know, the technological disparity between them is interesting? Is it that the, is it the disparity between abilities? Is it more just like the personalities themselves would be interesting to see smashed up together? Because I think whatever it is, like we can kind of optimize towards it. I really love the idea of having kind of hybrid characters and um, coming away with something that is in parts recognizable, but at the same time is kind of horrifying in that all of these little bits and pieces that you recognize from robots that you've come to love over the years are now uh, kind of intermixed. Again, it's funny that I, I didn't know you were going to be reading this picture. And of course I brought battle bots into this earlier already, mm-hmm. but the battle arena, the robot battle arena at this point, at least in, you know, popular American culture is also very much about kind of what is going to be in the environment or it's the same way that UFC is like just as much about what the cage is. It to me is like an interesting way of trying to pursue doing something interesting in the environment and doing something that is like potentially obstacles as these robots fight. And I wonder if like they all have their own home turf. I really have wanted to play a fighting game where I could like fight on those Terminator skulls. I've been waiting to actually crush those skulls in the James Cameron movie for a long time now. I think the only thing that kind of puts me off of a straight combat game is that I guess it gives deference to a certain type of robot. Maybe if this was kind of like a um, like a multi-stage test of uh, different skills, then the you know maybe combat could be one of them. But you know if it's just a combat situation, then there's no reason why the Terminator wouldn't win every single match. You know, coming up right. against the Jetsons, uh, made or something like that. You know, it just doesn't really stand a chance. If it was a little bit more hearthstone and then you think of like, oh, what would... I keep using the example of Johnny Five just because he's uh, such an enigmatic robot, but like, what? how would Data defeat someone? And he would do it with, you know, Starfleet knowledge and cunning and, um, and Wally might do... I'm thinking about RPG roles for a second. Like, is Data more of a a character that does a lot of like damage over time or <laughs> uh, the way that like data, there's mm. an episode of TNG where data does not play. He it's, it's about playing a video game. It's called the game. It's a wonderful episode. If you want just one standalone episode of that show that you might enjoy where the, the master of this game who can't be defeated, eventually data defeats him. Sorry, spoiler, because data was not playing to win. Data was just playing, to block and sort of frustrate. And eventually the guy gives up because there was no real way uh, for him to do that. And so 
I think you get into a scenario where now you can do a lot of fun ways. Like Wally would be about like, I don't know if he's, maybe he's the damage over time. He's doing trash and dots and he's, or he's throwing a good defensive fighter because he can build the fortresses. (laughs) Right. And he's got that lighter, you know, he can burn, burn things or whatever. And, and he'd also be hard to hit, right? Cause he's this kind of the smallest mm-hmm. of this bunch. And I guess Johnny five would be his ability to sense of humor or something. He'd have a lot of charm and like debuffs that he could throw. And the Terminator would be your warrior class. Who would be your straight up, like I'm a tank. I can do this damage yeah. and, and, you know, dish it out. All right. We're, uh, we're just about out of time on that one. Let's go ahead and call that one there and come up with a name. I, I kind of dislike this, but I was thinking about Robo Agogo. <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah, it, you deserve to dislike it, but it's <laughs> so far you thank you were brave. You put out the first idea, um, <laughs> which isn't seriously on this show. Is not uh, it's not nothing. Um, Robo Agogo. I do like Robo in there. Else, can we do with Robo? Is there other popular robo things? Is there, there's Robotron, there's... Robocop, of course. Robocop would also have to be in this game for sure, yep. right? I'm trying to think of different words for like combat, fight, destroy. It's called Super Smash. Maybe there's a play on that. Super Trash. <laughs> They're all, they all go to the trash heap. And then uh, Wally has the home field advantage then. Yeah, no kidding. Well, and then if Wally, like, hey, Mario's the center of Super Smash, arguably, you can anchor the whole thing around Wally's universe, and he goes to these different planets and different universes and then covers these different robots. Mm-hmm. Super Trash Brothers. <laughs> uh, Super Scrap Brothers. Super Scrap Brothers. I like that. I think that fits in very well. Wow. Oh, my goodness. All right. All right. Um. That was sent to us by Robert Lee at our website, playwrightcast.com slash pitch. You can, almo- you can also email us your, uh, your own ideas for video games for uh, discussion and dissection on the show at Gmail, at our uh, Gmail account, uh, playwrightcast at gmail.com or tweet us at playwrightcast. Special thank you to Protodome for the use of our theme song, Hello World off the album Blue Noise. And when you get a chance, go check out the other shows on the Canon Rinse Network, like The Sausage Factory, like Sound of Play, like the titular Canon Rinse podcast, and get all of your video game content all in one stop. It's really kind of amazing when you think of it. All right, well, to take us out of the show today, I'm going to be um, putting forward a miniature tweet and... A miniature tweet, a miniature pitch. That's what we're doing. And so to do this, I uh, I want to do a game at which you are uh, tasked with cleaning all of the trophies on the Super Smash Brothers Melee trophy table, <laughs> oh, getting man. all these little crevices and stuff, and just just shine them up. It's good. All right. Anyways, well, we'll see you next week, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.